Hello, everyone. This is Bill Apter, and I just finished taping an episode of Count It Out with Mike and Tyler, or Tyler and Mike. They're brilliant hosts. You've got to listen. You've got to see. Count it out. Yeah, I endorse it. They've got the after chat seal of approval. I'm the shit, Nick fucking Gage, and you motherfuckers know I start this shit off. Shout out to all my murder death kill gang members around the fucking world. Shout out to all my boys locked down in the cell, Eastern Block, and shout out to my hate club, R.I.P. Big Nate Hatred, and R.I.P. My motherfucking brother Justice Payne. I want to give an MDK shout out to my gang member, Count It Out Podcast. Check them out, CountItOut7.com, motherfuckers. And if more you motherfuckers don't check them out, I'll put my ski mask on with a weapon in my motherfucking hand. And chase you motherfuckers down and force you to listen to it. You motherfuckers know what it is. It's MDK all motherfucking day. Well, we are live, pals, and Happy New Year. Welcome to another edition of a brand new looking Bill After Seal of Approved, Counted Out with Mike and Tyler. My name is Tyler. I am joined by my favorite mac and cheese ball, the little teapot himself, Mojito Mike. And of course, we have our impact wrestling specialist, great friend of the show, and uh, someone who we tried to get on our year-end show, but we just couldn't get our timing up. So we said, you know what? You're coming on episode number one of the new year. Mr. Adam. Adam, how are you, sir? Uh, well, if I'm being honest, I'm a little let down, a little disappointed. You know, I listened to... Did I, the... did I sleep with you? Uh, yes. Well, you know, there's. we can talk about that off air. Uh, <laughs> what I'm really more interested in talking about is the fact that, you know, I listened to the back-to-back year-end specials. They sounded fantastic. You guys had all these incredible names on there. You know, you guys mentioned the Bill Apters, the Nikita Koloffs, you know, the, 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 the Albrights, you know, all these fantastic people you got on the show. And you're going to follow that up by having some jabroni nobody on to open up your year. Come on, guys, you're better than that. I want you guys to move forward in 2022, not take don't, a step back here. What's the matter with you guys? Either you're going very cocky. Don't be so hard. Don't be so hard on Mike, Adam. We have to let him play every week, all right? You know, I just want to say that I'm very, very grateful to be on the show, considering the wealth of talent that you guys have had on this program, rubbing shoulders with some of the greats, uh, makes a guy like me feel very humbled, uh, but not in an iron chic way. Uh, that was uh, a couple of days ago during New Year's. <laughs> uh, speaking of New Year's, Mike, how was your New Year's, buddy? Uh, my New Year's was New Year's. I'm not a big New Year's guy. I don't give two shits about New Year's. Uh, but it was it was all right because, you know, I did the whole uh, fake countdown thing four hours early for the kid and then sent him to bed and barely made it to midnight to myself before I passed out. So that's all right. But, uh, you know, going off what Adam said about all the big names, I'm not going to spoil it right now. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. But I got to say that I'm tickled pink because I got us a get 
for an interview, the very first interview of 2022. And I'm fucking excited. It's, this one's huge. Yeah. Well, depending on the week that we do this, it might be the second interview because we do have Lenny Leonard coming back on in a couple of weeks to talk all about Hammerstein yeah, Ballroom. Yeah, but we are, let's let the cat out of the bag. That's been recorded already. What? That was recorded in 2021. Don't give me this shit. Cafe, don't, brother. Don't take this away from me. Oh, Mom, Walsh, killing the business. Oh, <laughs> Tearing down kayfabe and ripping don't, back don't, the curtain, baby. Don't tell Cornet. You know what's going to happen? God Danny damn. Franchise is going to walk here. He's going to give him the Wolfpack symbol, and then they're going to walk out of the, the podcast, and they're going to go start their own company oh working for me again. All over again. I don't like think that's my podcast company. It's on, that, 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 that works for me. I don't think I, I don't think I'm likable enough to be the baby face in this scenario. <laughs> well, no, you're the guy that stays behind and gets punished for a year and then gets the big push and marries the boss's daughter. Sweet. <laughs> what a treat. What a treat. Um, so before we really get rolling, I know we have a lot of want to talk about before we hit that today's list, which is a uh, new year, new me kind of uh, vibe to it. But before we get to that, let's get the somber news out of the way. Let's push it out. Um, this is a wrestling podcast, but the person we need to talk about right now is not just, she was a cultural icon. So if you were a football fan, you knew her, a hockey fan, you knew her, a wrestling fan, you knew her, a television movie, everything, you knew Betty White. And we lost Betty White just a few days ago, uh, just shy of her 100th birthday. Uh, former uh, uh, former general manager of Raw, Betty White. Uh, big loss for, for the entertainment world. I didn't know you're such a big Betty White guy. I love Betty White. Betty White I mean, was all awesome. It's pretty Bet, hard Betty for anybody White. to not be a Betty White guy. Just yeah, for I love, I love me some Betty White too, but I didn't, kind I didn't heart realize and whatnot. I mean, look, I, I agree. It's an absolute, you know, any sort of loss of life is a tragedy, but I'll, I'll say this, man. I mean, we're all sad to see her go, but what a life lived, man. That's a that's a life worth celebrating. So I, I say, you know, good for her. She's absolutely she's earned her rest. Let's say that a thousand percent years and right. years, decades of entertainment she provided for sure. One of the funniest women on the planet of all like, you know, I, I, and I was a big Golden Girls mark when I was a kid growing up. And I didn't realize that what it actually was. I was just a kid and thought old people were funny. And then when I went back and, you know, watch it at an older age, I was like, Man, these these girls are fucking hilarious. Like I understand now. I'm pretty sure he put me through puberty. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Betty White would appreciate that. Yeah, so. uh, oh yeah, that's a sad way to start the year. When you first started going on there, I thought that you were gonna pay respect to the fact that my dog is losing his balls this week to get neutered. I thought you were gonna pay respect. I, I've been around your dog. That dog needs to be neutered. All right. I, have no, I have no shame in saying that I'm glad your dog is getting his fucking nuts. And sad, sadly, only one of them dropped, so it's going to cost me a fortune. But the rule of the house is... That, 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 that's what happened to Linus, my cat. They had, oh. to go digging, they had to go digging around for the other nut. Well, I mean, my... You know, guys, I really appreciate you making it feel like I'm back on the lasting mark with all this talk <laughs> of neutering and testicles <laughs> and genitalia and whatnot, but there's no need for you to change the format on my account, really, honestly. I well, appreciate I'm... it, though. I Trust me, uh, today out of boredom, I re-listened to our uh, Rick Rick Flair on Starcade show from about a year ago, and trust me, this is tame compared to what we were talking about on that show. I... I overdid it on that show, Tyler. 
That's probably the drunkest on air you've ever been. Oh yeah. Like even drunker than probably SummerSlam. I I went on a five minute rant about titty fucking dusty roads. Yeah, that's yeah, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, we've all heard the episode, Mike. You definitely don't need to remind us. I mean, it's one of those where were you when moments for all of us listeners. Where were you? When Mike Walsh talked about titty fucking dusty roads, and then you regale each other with, oh, God, I remember that year. What the a sad, great year it was. <laughs> the sad thing is that we finished recording and immediately we're like, man, that was like our best episode ever. <laughs> we don't set the bar too high around here, folks. No, really How about this? That is why segue? I'm opening up the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I will say we might not set the bar, bar very high, but a company that has set the bar very high is something that you know all too well about. Impact Wrestling kicking off the year with a banger of a pay-per-view here. We got Hard to Kill coming up. It's going to be airing this Saturday, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to be hosting a little party over at Casa de Conta. Going to get together, have a few mojitos of our own, and uh, watch what I think is going to be one of the best cards of the year. And I know I can say that because it's January, but let's face it, there is some stiff competition this month alone. I appreciate you throwing some, uh, some shine on the impact wrestling, but let's be honest, the whole professional wrestling landscape this month is a gold mine waiting to be un, uh, uncovered and discovered by wrestling fans. The Royal Rumble's coming up. We've got Terminus with their first event. Mike, I know you're super excited about that. Yeah. Uh, GCW, your other home promotion, has a huge event coming up at the Hammerstein. Uh, of course, by the time you hear this, AEW will have already had their debut show on TBS, which I know is also going to be huge for them. Uh, I, I mean, this month has, it's really a great time to be a wrestling fan. And hopefully it shows us that if 2022 is going to be more of the same from what we got in 2021, at least the wrestling's going to be good. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about the card a little bit here. We don't need to break through every single match, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the big dogs here. Uh, sure, M- Mickey James and Deanna Prazo looks like they're going to give them the main event spot. And rightfully yeah. so. I, I think Deanna Prazo next to Josh Alexander, was the wrestler of the year for impact wrestling last year. Um, definitely the knockout of the year. I think she might've had the best year out of all the women in professional wrestling. It's tough to argue that um, Texas death match stipulation though. I hate yeah. Texas death matches. They, it is the, the worst gimmick of all time. I'd rather see a last woman standing match. I'd rather see a no DQ match. Uh, I just, I don't like seeing people get pinned so much. I think it, I think it really hurts the them. I mean, we don't really know what format they're going to be following. It can vary depending upon promotion to promotion and event to event, to be honest. I mean, I know Mike didn't put it in his list of last man standing matches last time he covered it on the show, but I really enjoyed the last man standing match between Taryn Terrell and Gail Kim. I thought it's an incredibly underrated contest, mm-hmm. uh, but it hey, is. listen, you know, uh, you know, you got to do you, your, your own thing, Mike. So, I mean... I thought it was a well-done contest, and I think that these ladies, these two especially, can prove that this concept can work regardless of gender. And I think that uh, they will surprise you, especially if given the but, time. But it's no, not I, a last man standing really, match, so it's a Texas death match. Well, I mean, again, you're blurring the lines there. Someone's got to answer the 10 count, right? So, I mean, that's the idea. So, well, if, but... But with the death match, show, you have to get a pinfall first and then answer exactly. the 10 count. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. that. Yeah, six, six and one, half a 12 in the other. Like, I mean, I think you're splitting hairs on that, to be honest with you. The concept is still the same. Answer the 10 count. That's it. And personally, I think we're going to see a title change here. I think we're going to get some hometown heat. And I think we're going to see Deanna take the championship back 
And I think we're going to build to a third and blow off finale between these two at Rebellion in oh, April. I I, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I think she's going to win. I think she needs that title uh, when, when she goes up against Roxy. And if you, that's what uh, I was just uh, going to say as well. Yeah. Could be another reason why I, I'm going that direction. There could be a winner take all situation heading down the line, which I think would be very intriguing as well. Plus, I, I just like watching these two women wrestle. So, I mean, if you want to, Get them up one apiece so we need another rubber match on pay-per-view. I ain't going to complain about it. thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, moving on, world title on the line. Triple threat, Moose defending against Matt Cardona and W. Morrissey. Um, I don't see them taking the belt off Moose here, but I really think they should put it on Cardona. I mean, he's really the wild card in all of this because if this had been even six months ago, I think you could have said W. Morrissey has a shot just because the man has been honestly doing his best career work in impact wrestling. And I mentioned this last time I was on the show. If you had told me a year or two ago that big cast was going to be a reason I got excited to watch pro wrestling every week, I would have told you you're crazy, but W Morrissey really has become the best version of himself in impact wrestling. And he's been doing a fantastic job. He has earned this main event spot. He deserves to be in this matchup. And I think he's really going to use it as a way to showcase uh, what he can do. Moose, I think has carried the banner of impact proudly, over the last year or so, I know that a lot of folks will, you know, hand the title of uh, wrestler of the year to Josh Alexander. I think Moose needs to at least be in that conversation as a guy that maybe didn't accomplish as much, but if you look, was a consistent top tier mm-hmm. player for them. Hard to kill uh, the no uh, the sacrifice pay per view where they re the um, excuse me they um, consolidated the championships. His fight with Kenny Omega was a big one as well. The dude was consistently at the top, and I think now he's getting his chance to really make a run and show that he can be the guy to carry the ball. I agree with you guys. Moose is probably the smartest money to bet on for this match, but Cardona is undeniably the wild card simply for the fact that, as you guys mentioned last week, how damn hot the guy is right now. He is on fire, and boy, it might do impact. It might give them a real shot in the arm, to put the belt on the guy that well, everybody's talking about. Yeah, something that Mike and I go ahead. I was gonna say, Mike, and I, I was gonna throw to you here anyways. Um, something you and I have talked about, Mike, and I'd like to get Adam's take after is uh one big problem we've seen with impact wrestling in, in our opinion is they don't have a face of the company. There's not that one guy that stands out that they're building the company around. I think they're kind of doing it with Moose a little bit, but do you think that Matt Cardona could be a needle mover if they take the chains off him, let him, you know, maybe not go as crazy as he's going in GCW, but let him, you know, be himself and be out there and, and be that heel character. Do you think that he can turn impact into something that more people might be turning into? Mike, we'll go you on this one first. Oh, the answer is an easy. Yes. Uh, Cardona. Hell man. Cardona turned a guy like myself who, has never been a fan. I, I have not liked anything Cardona's done for the last, what is it, 15 years? I was never a Zack Ryder fan. He has turned me into such a fan in just the last six months. Because now I see what Matt Cardona can do when Matt Cardona does what Matt Cardona wants to do. You know what I mean? You, just like you said, to, t- to, 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 to take a phrase from you, you take the chains off and you let him go, say, do your thing. And look what he can do. He's amazing. He's phenomenal. He's a fucking heat magnet. And 
we're not seeing that in, in impact right now, but I'm wondering if they're just being like, okay, we're, it's coming. We're going to hold them back and hold them back and hold them back until it's time. And when we let them go, holy shit, we're going to go flying with them um, to put we, I said last week or the week before, whatever it was that uh, the good money for face of the company could have been moose still can be moose. But if I'm Scott, Demore, if I'm Anthem, I, I wanted on Matt Cardona. I think that Matt Cardona could be a good short-term decision to generate buzz. He's a good buzz maker decision. Hmm. However, I'm also going to say that I think the downside to hot shotting the belt onto him coming off of Moose's victory just a few months ago at Bound for Glory would also be a bad move in the long term. If the end goal is still to make Josh Alexander that that baby face of the company, as you guys were saying, I still think the smart money is to let Moose continue to build his credibility as the championship, continue to build and make that title mean something when Alexander does eventually beat him for it. Now, is it very possible they could have Cardona pick up the victory as a quick buzz generator, as a, a wedding present from Impact Wrestling and say, hey, thanks for all your hard work. We're going to give you a quick, short little run here. Moose is going to beat you back for it so that we can continue on with that story. Yeah, they could. Absolutely. And there's always the possibility of that. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think especially when you have a triple threat format, you give the heel plenty of outs. Um, and I think that's what they're going to do here. I think that there's uh, folks who will be more interested in Cardona being a distraction for Moose uh, rather than his ultimate uh, appending. Well, right. you, me you mentioned Josh Alexander, and let's kind of skip ahead and talk about him a little bit. He's kind of lost in the shuffle on this card. He's just in the middle of the pack. Oh, I oh, disagree I completely. Yeah, well, me too. Completely disagree. What, what I was going to say here is that they've got him in just a, a middle-of-the-pack match against, uh, you know, Jonah, who used to be, um, uh, what's Bronson. it, Bronson Reed in, yeah, in NXT. Um, I don't think this is the right spot for Josh. And I know you guys don't agree with me here, but I think that it hurts him by he's not back in the title picture already. Now, I like the slow build. I understand that. But why is he taking a backseat all of a sudden? Help me understand this. Uh, you know, he got screwed out of the title at Bound for Glory. So yes. why, why is he not putting his sole attention to get back to this championship? Uh, if I may. Yes. Uh, I know that guys like yourself and Mike and myself always appreciate the efforts that Josh Alexander has made. And we certainly have appreciated over the last year, what he has done as X division champion, but to maybe the more hardcore wrestler, or, or I should say more casual watcher of impact wrestling, they may not understand uh, the weight, a, a victory over a TJP an ACE Austin, a, a Rohit Raju might be, but, they know who Minoru Suzuki is. They may know, hey, that's Bronson Reed from NXT. I see a strategy here where they are putting Josh, he beat Christian Cage. What they're doing is they're taking Josh Alexander and they're having him defeat names. They're having him defeat stars. And in doing so, raising his stock to be a main eventer so that by the time he gets that belt back for Moose, he is his stock has not dropped. As a matter of fact, it's actually been elevated to a guy that can beat anybody. 
So now you don't have just a guy coming in saying, well, who's Josh Alexander? He's just an impact guy. Uh, no, he's a guy that's beaten the best of New Japan, the best of what NXT has to offer. He's beaten Christian Cage, who's some of the best that AEW has to offer. The guy is a star-beating machine. So by the time he does get his ultimate comeuppance against Moose and regains that championship, he is a guy that Impact can proudly point to and say, that's our face, and he is a worthy face, and he is a champion that is at the same level as any champion in any company because of the men that he's beaten. I dare you to argue with that, Tyler. I, I, I'm with you 100% uh, on that, Adam. I love exactly what you're saying, and I, I agree. I, I think that is incredibly smart booking. But did they give a storyline explanation as to why Josh isn't getting another title match? Right now, the idea is being the, the, the simple story that I've laid out, which is that Scott Demore says, look, I understand that you want your revenge, but if you go in there against Moose and all you can see is revenge, you're going to lose against that guy. Even if you're the better wrestler, you're clouded right now. And I want to make sure that you're ready and you're at your absolute best when you defeat Moose. And you know what? They can milk that for as long as they want by putting new paths and new challengers in front of them. When Suzuki first showed up, the, the excuse was, look, you got to channel your anger somewhere, channel it against that guy. When Jonah showed up, he brought it to Alexander and said, look, I'm the top dog now. And by him, the star coming out and challenging Josh Alexander and saying, I've been watching you. You are the guy that made me want to come to Impact Wrestling because I have to beat you in order to be a bigger star now. Again, that raises the stock of Josh Alexander to have stars come over from other companies, which Impact has done. I would dare say better than any company did last year mm -hmm. and to I have them call out Josh Alexander and say, Hey, the world is taking notice of impact. And more specifically, they are taking notice of Josh Alexander. And they're saying, I need to beat you. And every time Josh turns back a challenge from these guys, just makes him hungrier. It makes him better. It raises the stock. It works from every angle. The idea that if he beats the top talent, he's going to be that guy in line for a shot. So from a business standpoint, it puts enough distance between him and Moose that allows both guys to increase their quality. And so that by the time we get to a rebellion, or even if they want to draw it out further to like a slam anniversary or something, that match is going to be main event money because you've got who will arguably be their biggest heel in the company, maybe even the face of the company at that time, Moose, having had time to build his stock as a defending champion against a guy like Alexander, who will be seen as a guy that maybe even would be bigger than the company for all the star names that he's beaten. So I, I think it's a very sound strategy to keep them apart. And I think not just for Alexander's sake, but also for Moose's. Um, I'm reminded of something that Mick Foley said when talking about working with the rock during the rocks first world championship run, which was that he felt he had to get Moose ready for Steve Austin. He felt like he had to be the guy to make people believe in the rock as a vicious, no good piece of trash heel champion. And I think you're looking at a guy like a Matt Cardona, a guy like an Eddie Edwards, some of these more popular superstars, that's what they are going to be. These are going to be the guys that are fed to Moose as a way to raise his stock. So by the time we get that big main event, that big rematch, which they've been building since October, it's going to mean something. 
and it's going to mean something without a guy like a Kenny Omega. And that's, I think, how it yeah. perfectly demonstrates how Impact Wrestling is not the wrestling company that thinks a step ahead. It thinks five steps ahead. Yeah. Because what they did this year, in the past year, is they took Josh Alexander and then they didn't give us Alexander versus Omega. But what they're saying is by this time next year, we're not going to need a Kenny Omega because we're going to have a Josh Alexander and we're going to have a Moose. All right. I'm all for that. I didn't know that that was kind of where they were going, where Demore was like, not yet. Like, I just wanted there to be some form of explanation as to why Josh wasn't, you know, um, sidetracked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know that Demore was kind of like, you're going to wait. Patience, so, young Padwan. Patience. That that makes sense to me then. I'm I'm happy to hear that. I just... I, I just thought that they were just throwing him in another match or, you know, here's a win oh, over no, a big guy. So, okay. You know, they, they know what they're doing. And trust me, the fact that you're chomping at the bit for those two to fight proves they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I was just looking from it from a story standpoint. I'm like, okay, why isn't Josh trying to fight this guy every single week? He, oh, he in is. front of his family. Okay, good. That's good. Everyone then. just keeps getting in his way. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Speaking of patience, I'm all out of it. Can we please, Please talk about the Gresham match. Yes, uh, we certainly can. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I was going to save that for the main event here, but uh, you want to jump ahead a little bit? I guess we could. This on uh, card in the world, man. What's that? Oh, I'm so excited. Well, there's this guy, um, Chris Saban, and oh. uh, he's fighting some guy from this little rinky-dink company called Ring of Honor. Mike, have you ever heard of it? apparently he's the champion some guy named josh jonathan gresham josh jonathan what is it mike have you ever heard yeah it's the squid right the squid guy yeah squid Squid game right yeah yeah Uh, i'm very excited for this i like i like what's going on with uh with jonathan gresham right now i love what he's doing right now touring this belt and uh you know everybody's it's up in the air what's going on with roh we have to wait till april to get any sort of answers so what do you do till april you got Jonathan Gresham holding the original ROH belt and touring it around. He's already got dates. Uh, he's got this impact date coming up. He's got two GCW dates coming up. He's got, uh, he's, got uh, he's got the Terminus date. That's four just in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think, I think you'll see him end up on AEW at some point. I'm sure you will. Of course. And then on top of that, you got Bandito uh, def- defending the current uh, rendition of the ROH title. You got you got the uh, them boys. You got you got my boys, the Briscoes, touring the ROH uh, tag team championships. It's genius work right now. I'm loving every every minute of it. It's got a very uh, old school territories feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's too bad that they are done right now because that pay per view they put out left me wanting so much more with the you know with the FTR and the Perazos and and uh, Braun Strowman. Uh, I was listening. I, was, I say I was listening to to Carrie Silken and Ian Riccoboni's Last Stop Penn Station podcast, and that Riccoboni was kind of saying the same thing. You know, we we all felt like we hit a home run, and now you know the follow up is getting everywhere except for Ring of Honor. I just think it's such unfortunate timing because you know too little, too late. Where they were jumping on board here to drum up this interest and. You know, hopefully in April they'll they'll have something come back and and they can capitalize on some of this. I know uh, I know this is off topic, so I won't stay on it very long. But I got to ask you: Did you watch that promo I sent you the other day? The Briscoe where the, one. Where the Briscoes lost their shit on FTR. Yeah, I'd I'd seen that one a couple oh, days ago. So good. If I may make a wild and bold prediction, 
for uh, this year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, I predict that after Supercard of Honor in April, Ring of Honor will cease operations, but the championships will continue to be defended independent of any company. They will just be carried around across the country, across the world, being defended, uh, truly independent championships, independent of their own company. That's my wild out there wow. prediction for 2022. I mean, I hate that and don't hate it all at the same time. I, 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 I love, oh I, I got excited. I, uh, I really, I really love that. Like if, if TNA or if, if ROH was not to come back, I love that idea. I just hate the idea of, of ROH not coming back in some shape or form. Look, it's a crazy out there prediction, but that's why I said it's that's, that's I, what it is. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, um, so I mean, who do we think is going to win? I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious the octopus is going to retain. I think. I don't. I don't think like if if Gresham doesn't win, then that means it's a uh, some sort of draw. Um, to my knowledge, it's a pure title. It's a it's 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 a pure rules match. Uh, it just says singles match on my format sheet here. Yeah, I haven't seen it advertised as such. That being said, who knows? Okay, then that might be. I might be getting matches mixed up. That might. Oh no, I do have matches mixed up. That's his match with Josh. Yeah, Josh has pure rules, which that, I don't like. By the way, I don't like him making all these pure rule matches for the Ring of Honor World Title. Not okay making This is two so far out of six. Uh, six matches. And plus, I that's his gimmick. I don't like it. It's the modern version of Raven's rules. It's and just I, uh, octopus I don't like rules. That's, no, but I don't that's like how it. he got him. That's how he made his nut. Well, then he should be the pure wrestling champion and not the Ring of Honor World Champion because they're still touring the pure title. I don't yeah, like that. Yeah, don't no. you try to take away that championship from the the goods? All right, I'm that's just my saying. Boy. I, I, I Grisham's the, he's not the pure champion. The pure title should be for the pure title. Well, I think no. he would disagree with you on that one. Well, apparently uh, he has, and you know. I guess he well, wins. I'm gonna. I'm well. Then let me allow allow me to personally invite Jonathan Gresham onto this program. And Jonathan Gresham, if you're listening to this and you don't come on this show, you're a spineless, gutless coward, and everybody's <laughs> gonna know it. I'll put you I, right in the same category as Maven. You two can sit down there and enjoy okay. your coffee together while we sit back here knowing you're scared of us. Now, with that said, I don't care if it's on air, off air. Do you know that Tyler doesn't know the Maven story? <laughs> Well, that may, we may have to save it for another episode. Uh, I have purposely not told him because I need it to come from your lips. It's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you what. I won't give him that story just yet because we do want to – I, I want to have something in my pocket so that you guys will bring me back after this episode bombs. So I want to make sure would that I have something. Sense, would it not make sense not to give anything away the story, but would it not make sense for you to tell that story on one of our Royal Rumble shows? You know – I would not be opposed to that idea. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, since I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about, I'm going to take your word for it. Did I just get booked for a Rumble event? Yes, look at that. <laughs> weasel, weasel my way in again. All right, uh, we'll share a fun little What do we got left on uh, Hard to Kill? Let's, let's just talk real quickly. We got Trey McGill against Steve Macklin for the X Division title. Sure. Uh, you got uh, the Inspiration defending the Knockout Tag Team titles against Matt, Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood which I think will be a fun match. Absolutely. Uh, you got your 10-man hardcore war, Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath, and Rhino against the Good Brothers and Violent by Design, which will be a fun one. And then uh, first time ever, uh, the knockouts are getting a shot at the Ultimate X match 
Uh, number one contender match, Chelsea Green, Jordan Grace, Lady Frost, Rachel Ellering, Rosemary, and Tasha Steeles all in that. This was the, the other match I just wanted to bring up and talk about just because it's, it is a history-making event. And of course, you know, I'm a big fan of the knockouts division. I think it's, I think it's the, honestly, the best women's division in all of professional wrestling today. I am a little biased, but I look, even if you like women's wrestling, you got to give it a shot is all I'm saying. And here you've got six incredibly talented women here, all of whom can make a huge impact, pardon the pun, uh, by being the first ever to win this type of matchup. Um, And honestly, I'd be happy with any of these ladies taking it home. Like there's part of me that would love to see someone like Rosemary win it because she's been there of those, of those wrestlers. She's been there doing it the longest. She is the veteran in this match. And it would be really nice to see her make some history with that at the same time, somebody coming in like a lady frost, who's, you know, fairly new to the roster and winning the ultimate X right off the bat would be a huge way to jumpstart her career and make her somebody important within the division on a third hand though. I could also say someone like Atasha Steeles, who has made an incredible stride in the last year, maybe deserves this as a way to give her a little boost. But if I'm going to put money down, I'm going to go with Chelsea Green on this one. I thought Chelsea was the shoe in to win the tournament because I thought her and Deanna would pair up. If I'm sticking with my prediction that Deanna takes the belt back from Mickey, she's going to need a challenger waiting in the rings. Chelsea's a great choice. She's very popular. And like I said, make a pretty nice little wedding gift from impact wrestling to put her uh, in the spotlight and give her a shot at the knockouts championship. So my official pick is going to be Chelsea green. I don't think I'm surprising anybody when I say that my official pick (laughs) is of course, Mrs. Gresham herself. Uh, Jordan grace. She's been breaking down barriers and, 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 you know, winning, you know, getting history making title reigns and stuff like that. So I see no reason not to give her the first big win here. Yeah. If Jordan that. didn't already have the digital media championship, I would agree with you 110%. But I think with Jordan already carrying around some hardware, they're going to let her worry about that. Now her partner, I could see potentially doing something, yeah. but uh, I'm still going to put my money down on uh, Mrs. Cardona. And that uh, that is the entire card. It sounds like a uh, a great card from top to bottom. Definitely oh, going to be worth putting down your shekels for. Absolutely. Uh, Impact only asks for your money for four shows a year. Please give them the money for this one. Last question before we move on is, um, what's your guys' pick for match of the night? Oh, it's that's an easy one for me. Obviously, it's got to be Gresham Saban. Tough call. But I am going to agree with Mike. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Josh and Jonah. Uh, that's where I'm gonna go. I mean, here's the thing: it's a card where, if you look at it, can you really point to a single match on that show and go, "That's not going to be any good"? No, no. I, I would have picked the main event with Mickey and Deanna, but the Texas Death Match, I can't. Uh, if it was any other gimmick, I would say that, and, and they will still tear the house down, obviously. But that gimmick takes it out for me. It's, uh, hey, it's hey, man, fair enough. Um, All right, dude, to... you have some talking points before we jump into uh, into the list today. Yeah, let's let's do a real quick hypothetical here, and then uh, and then Mike's going to get into the list, which I've been begging you to tell me what you've officially named this list because I've been trying to do the graphics for it all day, and he hasn't told me. And well, I think he gave it at the top of the show. New year, new me list. It's new year, new me. Top seven, new year, new me's. 
we're, we're not doing the top seven. Just call it New Year, New Me. Oh, this is a new, this is a new look, new show, new format. Oh my God! For those, for those who can't, who didn't figure it out, we are doing the top seven um, reinvented characters. People who took the same gimmick, the gimmick they've been working on, and give it a good reinvention, breathe some new life into it, made it, made it fresh, made it new, and did something cool with it. Uh, so yeah, new year, new me. All right. Well, there is a new year. And there like is a beautiful logo behind us. It is a great logo. I, I really do like the new logo 100 uh, percent New Year. <laughs> new Year, new us, new WWE world champion Brock Lesnar. Uh, yeah. stepping in there to filling in for some COVID uh, COVID hits on the, the day one pay-per-view. A lot of people are real pissed off that Big E has got the belt taken off of him. Um, oh. two-part question here. Part one. Wait, uh, WWE fans are pissed off about something? I know, right? Say it ain't so. Um, now that Big E has had a run with the title, did you guys buy into him as a WWE champion? And number two, it always seems that we go back to the same group of people. Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, Roman Reigns. Um, am I missing somebody that they, you know, they're, they're kind of go-to draws? Seth Rollins, maybe I'd put in that category. I, I put maybe Seth Rollins just just right underneath, like Brock and Brock and Roman. Let's say are the big two, John Cena. You know what I mean? They brought yeah. him back. So the, let, let's just say that there's their their top four reliable. Oh shit, we need to fill in the gap here. Who is on the radar of even coming close to becoming somebody that is not just a champion like Big E or or Seth Rollins or Kevin Owens? Who's, oh, okay. who, who's, who is somebody that you guys think, if booked properly, can become a Brock Lesnar, a Roman Reigns, a John Cena? a Because I'm looking at their roster, and I'm not seeing anybody that's grabbing how, my attention. How, how far are we talking down the line here? It doesn't any, – any, as long as you need it to go. Because I'm, I'm not seeing anybody that I, I – If I have to take people that we're seeing right now, and, and, and I, I say seeing – and I use that term very loosely because I'm not watching the product at all. I can't even answer your question about Big E's title reign because I watched very fucking little of it. And that's not a slam on Big E. I just can't watch the Kevin Dunn show. Um, but with that said, if I can't believe I'm saying this because God knows I did my, my trash talking of the guy. But if we're talking star power, a guy who could come up and be that guy in, let's say, five years, I'm thinking Riddle. Okay. Matt Riddle. I've got a couple names that come to my mind. One of them I think is like the guy everybody's poising, and that's Braun Breaker in NXT. Sure. I'm going to put a real wild card out there, and a lot of people are going to shit on me for it, and we rightfully so. But if booked properly, and if he is protected very well, they could have something in this Omosa. What the hell's the guy's name? The guy with almost? AJ. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, the guy, the guy can't. The guy's not like a technical wrestler by any means, but he's got everything else. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. If 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 they could get what they got out of the great Kali for as long as they did, they can get that shit out of almost because almost actually has fucking charisma. Yeah, I, I'm with you. No, those would be like. 
but I'm not, I'm not really seeing anybody else. Like this Braun Breaker guy, I watch NXT War Games and he's good, but he doesn't like, I'm not looking at this guy being like, I need to see this guy fight Brock Lesnar. I need to see this guy fight. What like, about the what about this kid they're bringing up that that the, they they keep um, comparing to Brock? That's Braun Breaker. That's no, it's Ste- not. It's Steiner's kid. No, no, no. There's the- another one, a baby face looking fucking jacked up fucking kid. He looks like Brock. I have no Adam, idea. You know who I'm talking about? Can't say that I do. I'm not as up to date on the product as I as I once was. After the show, I'll tell you who I'm talking about when I, when I can Google it. But uh, it's not, yeah, it's yeah. not Breaker. I'm thinking of. Like, let's let's kind of spin off then and, and talk about Big E. Like, did you buy Big E as a, a a guy that you put the face of your company on? And and I mean, I I definitely see the potential in him, hundred percent. I mean, he is a total package player. He's got the look. He's got great in-ring skills. He can talk. Uh, I mean, what? I think it's easier to ask the question, what do you not like about the guy? Like, he's got all the tools. It's just simply a matter of him getting the right set of circumstances to be able to shine. And, you know, it's so funny because I was having this conversation with um, another group of folks who we all kind of mentioned how if you really want to make an impact as a a big star in WWE or like a permanent fixture in their main event scene, you really can't get away with just being a WWE or a universal champion one time. If we go back to something like even as far as the attitude era, all of these wrestlers who kind of made it to that upper echelon had multiple championship reigns and their first ones typically were not of any significance. If you look at Chris Jericho uh, first, undisputed championship brain considered a failure uh i think a lot of people would say the same thing about triple h um as we talked about earlier when the rock first became champion mankind felt he needed to build up the rock because he just wasn't that guy at that time yet to be able to handle the belt um undertaker i guess would be a poor a poor example of that since that was back very early on in the the 90s but you know bret hart would be a good example of that as well didn't Mm -hmm. really you know, gain fire or gain a reputation as being a legend within the company until that second reign. And I think that that's what we might be seeing with a guy like a Big E. This championship run was a test. Can he hold the attention? Can he move the needle? Is he a draw as the champion? Will he get future opportunities? I hope so. I honestly believe that the change from Big E to Brock Lesnar was made Uh, as a snap decision to make sure that fans did not leave the building disappointed with not getting their advertised main event. This is something that WWE has gone on record as doing previously. We've Mm -hmm. all heard the famous story of the night Rocky Maivia won the Intercontinental title. It was directly because Shawn Michaels had to step away from the ring and the fans for Thursday Raw Thursday were not going to get their championship match between him and Sid. So the WWE made a snap decision. It wasn't planned, um, but they said, okay, Hunter, you got to drop the belt to the to Rocky tonight because we got to give these fans something really good to go home and say, hey, you know, they promised something big and we got something big, even if it wasn't exactly what was delivered. I honestly don't think it was WWE saying we've had enough of Big E. We don't have faith in Big E anymore. Um, we just have to do something big for this event because we promised something big for this mm-hmm. event. And now we got to deliver it. And their solution, 
in that moment, right or wrong, however you choose to look at it, was we're going to do a big title change and we're going to do it with Brock because he's the biggest star on the card. Again, whether or not you agree with it doesn't matter because the only person whose opinion matters is Vince McMahon's. And in his mind, Brock Lesnar's the biggest star on that card. So if you're going to not give the fans your promised main event for the big championship, then you better give them something big. And in his mind, ain't nothing bigger in that moment than Brock Lesnar winning the championship. Do you think Biggie can get to a Brock Lesnar level if with the right booking? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I, I have so. absolute faith that that guy has, again, he's got all the tools, right? And like you said, sometimes it's just about the opportunity and it's about, you know, and sometimes it's not even about if the right guys like you. I mean, you know, we look at a guy like a Rob Van Dam who is super popular and super over, but the truth of the matter is 20,000 people can like you. But if that one old man in the back doesn't, I don't care how good you are. You're not getting the main event spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got to build some new stars quick though, because I agree. Know. I think yeah. it's obviously been a, 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 a weakness of WWE's programming for a long time is that, uh, and ironically, I think that they've been afraid to do so because of Brock Lesnar. I think when Brock left the company after getting such a strong, hard push uh, in the early 2000s, I think it made Vince McMahon a little gun shy about pulling the trigger on guys and pushing them like that because uh, he saw how it backfired on him. Um, and I think that's why we saw so much long term booking uh, of guys like Cena at the top and Triple H at the top. And once he made his return, Brock at the top, uh, because Vince wanted to go with the guys that were safe to him, guys who weren't going to leave his company. Um, and you can't really blame him uh, for doing that. But I do think that there is a lot of, of great talent out there. It may not be a popular opinion. Um, I think a guy like a Damian Priest could very well fit into those top spots. He's, he's another guy that I look at and say he's got a lot of the tools. And I don't think we've seen his full potential. But more than that, if you're looking for more immediate, I think if they really put the rocket on them and and push them, I totally think you have a top-tier star in Bianca Belair. I just think that you need to make sure that you're putting the right momentum behind her. And I think she is the kind of person that can reach demographics, um, get fans behind her, sell merchandise. She, again, is a, like, She's got all the tools. There's no reason why someone like Bianca Belair cannot be on billboards and talk shows yeah. and be the face of that company. I think I, she would make an excellent face of the company. I think that's a great choice as well. Um, and if we're talking about people that already kind of got passed on, you know, if you want to go back onto some people and give them another chance and give them a real chance, we still have guys like Kevin Owens and Finn Balor in the company. AJ Styles. You know what I mean? These, these these guys are not done yet. These guys can still lead this company if given the, the proper chance. Uh, I don't know, man. I, from an in-ring standpoint, absolutely they can. But I, I feel like, you know, the damage has been done with these guys. AJ Styles was the world champion for over a year, and he wasn't the face of the company. They didn't portray him as the face of the company. No, they didn't portray him. This is why, like, like this is why I... I create my sentences like this if they do it properly there's the shitty thing it's not about at the end of the day and you know uh adam kind of said it you know if if the old man in the back isn't seeing it then it's not being done 
it's all about how the company does it. If, if the company doesn't do it properly, it's not going to be done. So you asked who could be these people. I just gave you those names because they could. But it's at the end of the day, it's not up to the it's not up to the the superstars. It's not up. It's not up to the wrestlers. It's up to the, the company. If they don't want it to happen, it's not going to happen. Or if they're going to drop the ball, it's going to fuck everything up. And they prove it with everybody that I just named. Yeah, like uh, for me, you know, all the names that you named are people that I could see doing it. But I think it's too little, too late. I think it's too little, too late. Now, I think I think. The, the name I was trying to think of before is Parker Bordeaux. Yeah. And I don't think he's made his debut in NXT yet, if I'm not mistaken. They're, they're, still, they're still training him in the PC. Um, you don't have it set so I can share content here. So I couldn't show a picture on my screen. But uh, I sent you a picture just to get an idea of the guy. He, he's, he is the next Brock Lesnar in every way, shape, and form. Um, and he's the kind of guy that Vince McMahon goes to bed wet in his pants about. So he's going to be a name we were talking about in five years. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Bron Breaker as well. Uh, you know, when, when now, now that Vince has his fingers in, uh, you know, n- now that NXT is the Nick Khan show, we're actually going to see the NXT kids get used on the main roster. You know what I mean? Now that they're not, now that it's not Triple H's boys coming up, they're not going to get squashed on the main roster anymore. So Rum Breaker, I think, is going to have a future. One can only hope. No, let's hope so. And uh, let's hope that maybe some of these guys aren't going to find themselves ending up on uh, on Mike's list uh, that we're going to be doing today where they're going to have to totally reinvent themselves. But my actual answer to your question is Paul Birchill. Ah, huge pop. Can't go wrong with that ever. Ira Paul, baby. Missed opportunities. What do you... (laughs) What do you think here? Uh, you want to get into the list here, Mike? I would love to get into this list, man. This list was fun for me because we're talking about guys who maybe they've been doing a very successful gimmick or a very successful character for a long time. It's starting to fizzle out. You don't want to repackage everything. You don't want to do a whole new gimmick, but you got to re- you got to reinvent it. You got to do something new. You got to get something to get people back into it. And these are the people that did it right. And, uh, a lot of people have reinvented, but these people, the, the, these top seven, they did it right and, and really got people behind them again, which it's hard enough to get somebody behind you the first time. So they get them to continuously jump behind you, I think is a, uh, a testament to, to character, right? So we're going to start with my number seven, um, which, you know, I actually threw this out to you, uh, Tyler, asking I gave you two names and we argued about it for a good hour um, because I couldn't decide on my number seven. Someone had to go. Someone had to stay. Um, I finally decided on an answer. And it's not the answer I think you're going to be expecting. But my number seven is the big bad booty daddy. The genetic freak himself. Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner. Yeah, I think you made the right call. Do you want to let the people know who the other option was no because i don't want people to see that he's i i, I maybe people are still going to expect to see him on my list fair so we'll fair. wait till the honorable mention then i'll say who he was fighting against um so before i throw it to you guys with your opinions on this uh let's break down the uh the, the, the steiner uh anthology if it were obviously he was a tag team guy for 99 percent of his career to the 90s he was uh you know they, they they had the gimmick of the all-american you know 
fighting tag team, the collegiate tag team, if it were, uh, up until about what? Super Brawl 98, eight. I guess. Yeah, Super Brawl 8. Yeah. Uh, where, where during a match against the Outsiders, he turned, Scott turned his back on his brother, uh, Rick. And then the very next night, he comes out on, on Nitro in a big melee. They had a, like the entire NWO in the, in the ring, and he was there with them with a brand new look. He's got the bleach hair, the mustache, and everything. And then from that point on, for the next several years, um, be it WCW, WWE, TNA, he just kept evolving this new character, this, this genetic freak character, into something that we never got in his tag team career. I, it really breathes some new life in the Steiner that I don't think he ever would have got if he stayed as, you know, the Rick Steiner's brother. What do you think? Adam, you want to take this one first? Yeah. Um, well, you know, they say that, um, here we go. They say that all reinventions are created equal, but you know, when you take a look at somebody like Scott Steiner, you realize that's just not true. Uh, but all jokes aside, uh, yeah, this is a great pick for number seven. I mean, it certainly was one of the most shocking reinventions of those, uh, the Monday Night Wars. Without question, I don't think anybody foresaw Scott Steiner as being one of the major players when it came to singles competition in WCW in the late 90s and beyond. But I mean, look, even just me saying that line, you know exactly what I'm referencing when I'm talking about that. This is a guy that went from sporting University of Michigan jackets to chainmail on his head. Like, what a complete 180 for this dude. And he basically took that that ball and he just ran with it right into the end zone, made himself a world champion because of it. You want to talk about a guy that reinvented himself and just got everything out of it? Scott Steiner is the man. So, yeah, I think it's a great pick for number seven. Absolutely. I'm a very big fan of when people make a turn from, uh, especially from face to heel, that they drastically change their look as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, Steiner took it way, way more than a lot of people do, and it worked. You know, he's not this white meat baby face collegian Michigan State wrestler. He is a heel now. He yeah. was very highly inspired with superstar Billy Graham on his look uh, with the dyed hair. And he changed his whole persona from being this clean uh, team America, all American to I'm going to bang your bitch and do push-ups, And I have a tiger and chains on my <laughs> head. And like he, he, he ran with it and it worked. And, and, you know, yeah. he became can't miss TV for a long time. I don't think a lot of people, you know, we just think back to Scott Steiner of his, you know, terrible run with triple H and, and test and, you know, that little flopped run in the WWE, but he was doing some pretty can't miss stuff in WCW. So I, I, great, great call on the number seven here. You know, I'm great. a little offended uh, to be honest with you, Tyler. He did not uh, call his ladies bitches. They were freaks. Thank you very much. <laughs> he treated them with the utmost respect, yeah. never gave them anything that they didn't want. It was all consensual. As a matter of fact, <laughs> That leads me to a fun question for you guys. If you guys were to reinvent Scott Steiner today, what do you think you'd like you do with Scott Steiner? Off the top of your head, what's the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, let's reinvent Scott Steiner, have him do this. Perverted Back. grandfather. Perverted? Well, it kind of is, isn't he? Like, isn't that kind of <laughs> what he is now? Just let him be him. <laughs> Perverted grandfather. See, because that's the I want to go the opposite direction. I want woke Scott Steiner. I oh. want Scott Steiner cutting promos oh. like this. For the woke audience, I oh think that's that's TV right there. That that is 
That is demo god television right there. I'm giving him uh, Matt Stryker's gimmick. He's a uh, or Dean Douglas's gimmick. He's a math teacher. I stand corrected, sir. I step aside. You win. You I win the pic- round. I just picture him as uh, when they dress up like old people in Jackass and Johnny Knoxville does that, that movie. That's, that's how I picture the, the, my version of Scott Steiner. I'm sorry with that. Now I, want Spike Jones, now I want Spike Jones to have Kevin Dunn's job in WWE, and then let's get this done. I, Forget I'm that. Old. Let's just make a movie where Scott Steiner and action Mike Jackson just go cross country, yes. just like showing people how much they suck physically compared to them. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you hollered because you heard me on my number seven, because uh, I think you're both about to turn on me with my number six. But 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 get, just just hear me out. My number six is a master of reinvention. He's done it several times, and we're going to talk about one of the major ones. The reason he's only number six and not higher is because, honestly, this motherfucker would have been over no matter what. Everybody else on this list needed their reinvention. This man didn't. My number six is The Undertaker. I'm fine with this. I kind of went back and forth on this because the name did cross my mind when thinking about who you could potentially list on this. And, you know, it is a, it's a gray area for me, but I'm, I am also willing to give it a pass because I mean, just like there are, you know, several different shades of gray. uh, There are different colors of black. There is different versions of the undertaker, although slight variations. I'm mostly going to be focusing on the, the, uh, the, the, change over to um american badass slash uh big evil right that that's the one i'm going to focus on however i made a little list man in 30 years we got the western mortician the dead man the lord of darkness the american badass big evil the phenom the last outlaw the 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 gunslinger and i'm probably forgetting a bunch too uh, the, the man was a master at keeping it fresh and changing it when he needed to be changed. With that said, if he would, he, he could have just kept it from the dead man character, the 90, 94 character and kept going with it. And he'd still be fucking over. Cause he's the goddamn undertaker. Um, he never needed to do the American badass. He wanted to do the American badass, but ministry taker in, in, in 1999, yes. uh, was fucking over. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to change it. So you guys can. Uh, my memory is foggy sometimes. You guys, so you guys can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe it was in, around September, uh, late late 1999. I want to say September, October. Uh, Taker's supposed to fight Triple H, and he says fuck this, and he walks out on TV. Yeah. Hey, Fabe, of course. Yeah, he had a torn uh, bicep, I believe, because he has an injury. He's out until Judgment Day of 2000. Uh, when Triple H is facing The Rock in a uh, in an Iron Man match, and in the last two minutes of the match, Taker comes out on a motorcycle, and the rest is history. What did you each think of the uh, American Badass run? Adam, you go first. Are we talking about at the time or with hindsight? That's a great question. Why not do both, man? At the time, I thought it was cool as hell. Because yeah. it was different and it fit the time frame better than the over-the-top satanic character he had betrayed before leaving. Uh, right. With some hindsight, 
I can say that I don't find that character as entertaining as the um, no. dark satanic iterations. But I also think I have the foresight to say that it was still the right call. Now, as you mentioned previously, he's the Undertaker. So he would have been successful even if he had stuck with the satanic gimmick. But I think that one of the reasons that you could make an argument he belongs on this list is that the guy had enough foresight to look at it and say, times are changing. I need to change with them. So I'm going to leave all that satanic stuff in the back pocket. And then what you got left is going to be the undertaker, the new undertaker. So I'll say to both. Um, yeah, good stuff. I agree. I think it needed to get done. I don't think he could have wrote out the dead man for the entirety of his career. Um, I hate American badass undertaker. I hated it then. I hate it now. I just think he's killed everybody, squash everybody. I, I just didn't enjoy it. I thought his entrance was cool. I liked the music, all that stuff. But I did not enjoy that run at all. I, I did like when he beat the shit out of Maven. That was amazing. <laughs> teasers, teasers. Um, I, I did like, I like the return to the dead man. I like how he changed it to kind of like this kind of like Western-y, like old school mortician-y look. It's oh, kind of the vibe. Is- we're supposed to be in the first place. So which, yeah, it made which I, I really liked, but I also liked how he continued to evolve after that, whether it was something like shaving his head, going yeah. into his match with triple H or, you know what I mean? Like the guy is just a master at always doing something to tweak and keep himself interesting. He deserves to be on the list. Absolutely. I will not argue it. I just always hated the American badass, but he, he needs to be on the list. Thousand percent. Great. And so does my number five. My number five, this, you're going to understand why he's so low when I get to the others because the others are just, they make sense. I wish he could be in my top three. I wanted him in my top three. It just didn't work out. This man, fans are done with him. Fans were, were, were ready to, to quit on him. He just couldn't do it anymore. The, he just wasn't over anymore. And then he did something, not only to rape, you know, breathe new fresh breath into his character, but he breathed fresh uh, breath into professional wrestling. When he changed himself, he changed the landscape of wrestling. And I am talking about broken Matt Hardy. Hmm. I did not expect him to be on your list, let alone in your uh, this high. But I'll say this. I am not mad at this at all. Uh, I think that you made a really good point with this guy, both because the transition from whatever incarnation of Matt Hardy he was prior to being broken, um, but also just his entire career has been about reinvention. If you yeah. take a look at where he started from, you know, the new brood, um, the the 90s Freebirds version I'm, of the Hardy. I mean, I mean, that's a version one was all about as well. Like that, that that's one, what yeah. What was yeah big money, big money Matt. Matt yeah like let's be honest even in these vignettes themselves they had a lake of reincarnation like this was this was a whole part of the gimmick right is the idea of reinventing yourself and mm. even today the guy is still trying to do it uh, to stay relevant and and you know good for him for doing so that's one of the keys to longevity in the business and I'll tell you I have a lot of respect for the ability to take something like that and go in a completely left field direction with it and commit to it. 
the guy didn't just, you know, well, we'll test it out for a couple weeks. I'll see what it does. He was like, no, 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 no. I want you guys to come out to my compound and me and Jeff are going to put on the most batshit insane match you've ever seen. And then unintentionally, uh, we're going to actually start um, a new way for pro wrestling to be presented or at least bring it to the forefront. Uh, I know that there have been cinematic matches in the past and some people might say something like Boiler Room Brawl. Again, I think that's splitting hairs. We're talking about something that grabbed the attention of the pro wrestling world when it happened and refused to let go and shook it violently and said, pay attention. This is the future of pro wrestling. We're doing it right now. And, you know, it took a pandemic to get people to follow suit, but, you know, I would argue one of the best matches of last year was that tag match from revolution with sting and Darby Allen and Ricky Starks and Brian cage. And I don't think we'd get there without the final deletion. And we certainly don't get there without broken Matt Hardy. I think this is an excellent choice. And I think it's a very good spot, Matt. Tyler, you you seem a little indifferent when I mentioned the name Matt Hardy. What were you thinking? I I agree with everything Adam just said. Uh, The sentence that really stuck out is when you were describing the cinematic matches and you said, you know, pay attention. This is where we're going. Well, Matt Hardy was the first wrestler to understand the internet in general. You know what yeah. I mean? He's the first guy that, that... Go back to version one. You know, the things he was doing with version one was beyond any what anybody else was doing, right? And then even after he got released uh, with that whole Edge and Lita thing, he yeah. used the internet to get yeah. over and to stay over and to stay relevant. And it got him hired back. And you know what I mean? Like, he's just always been... a not even a visionary he's a pioneer when it comes to social media when it comes to these cinematic matches if i'm starting a wrestling company matt hardy is one of the guys that i want to be my bookers he's somebody that i want on my team behind the scenes because he just uh, this is going to be a huge statement and it might be way off but how people talk about paul Heyman and ecw as being this visionary and and seeing what the future of wrestling is that's Matt Hardy for me right now. When I look back and I think about this, this guy is going to go down in history as being the most um, uh, underrated mind in professional wrestling history. He's going to be, I think, talked about in the same breath of creative minds along with guys like Dusty Rhodes, mm. who had vision and really went for it, regardless of if it fell flat or if it brought them to new heights. And, you know, the way you talk about a guy that understands the internet and used it to leverage himself into something different, I have a... Oh, oh, we got a freeze. Well, we can keep talking. Oh. Well, there's two of us here, so we got an Adam freeze. But uh, I think what Adam was just about to say is I totally agree with everything you say, Tyler. You are the best person ever on Canada. <laughs> <laughs> we had a freeze on you there, Adam, but I just basically said that you were saying how awesome I was. That was your point. So we, we got it covered. Perfect, perfect. Did I? Did you happen to hear the name Dusty Rhodes? Uh, well, that's where we cut out. Uh, we're okay. gonna see. I was just Dusty saying that oh, something about guy. fucking. I don't know. <laughs> just a very creative guy, and I was gonna say that uh, somebody leveraging the internet to reinvent themselves and using social media as a way to uh, kind of make themselves into something new. I don't. I have a feeling that 
it's not the last time we're going to be talking about one of those kind of guys on this list, but uh, I'm interested to see who's next. Yeah, bring it on, Mike. So my ne- my next guy again, I might catch some heat for for the placement. My number four, again, probably should be in my top three, but he's not, and it's because he has the what I'm going to call the Undertaker syndrome. He's got the he's got this. It's he's as low as as he is because of the same reasons Undertaker's is low. He's a master, a fucking master of reinventing and staying fresh, but doesn't really didn't really absolutely need it and honestly i have a hard time pinpointing one that 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 captivates his you know his entire career so my number four is chris jericho yeah uh i had a strong feeling he might be top three but i'm not upset with him in the number four spot uh out of curiosity um Tyler, what would you have pinpointed as one? Mike says he's he couldn't really pinpoint one. If you had to choose one reinvention from Chris Jericho, which one do you think was the most impactful? You, you got to go with the one where he he puts the suit on and channels Nick Bockwinkle when that yeah, feud I would with agree Shawn with that Michaels. 100%. Yeah, that was so different from you know he he went from doing you're a filthy, dirty, disgusting, bottom feeding, trash bag ho raw is Jericho all these catchphrases which was, you know, that was WWE at that time period. And he totally switched it over. You know, he did that save us thing, which I don't think really worked too well. I he tried. It. I liked it too, but I don't think it really yeah. caught on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then he goes from these catchphrases where he was just doing Jericho's greatest hits to yeah. cutting his hair, putting on tights. It's like what I talked about with Scott Steiner. He totally changed everything. And then he became Nick Bockwinkle 2000s. And I loved it because I love Nick Bockwinkle. So I was huge on that. I want to give him some credit for the pain maker gimmick. Yeah. Um, just because I, Judas, right? I, I think I think the pain maker took a lot of balls. Uh, he realized he was in his 50s. And, and what do I do now? And I'm done in WWE. Where do I go? What do I do? AEW is not a thing yet. I can either hang it up or I could go balls to the fucking wall. And he went balls to the fucking wall. He puts makeup on his face. He, 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 he wears that silly hat. And he goes and he fights fucking Okada. Yeah. You know what I mean? Omega, but, right? Yeah, exactly. He went all out on that New Japan run. And I think it worked for him so well. And I, I got to give him credit. for It's not my favorite incarnation of, of uh, Y2J. I think Y2J is my favorite. Or... Maybe the man of a thousand and four holds, uh, but you know it's it's not my favorite that he's done. But I got to give him credit because I think it took a lot of balls to do the pain maker. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was just gonna no, I was just gonna say that um, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned earlier in the, the introduction that um, he's a guy that didn't need to reinvent himself. But I think that honestly, what separates the the goods from the greats is a guy who can look at it and say, you know, I don't need to do this. But it's the right time to do it. Like you mentioned the Save Us Y2J thing. You know, Chris Jericho is a guy who's smart enough to look at it and go, you know, I'm getting a good reaction, but I'm not getting a great reaction. And I think if I need to get a great reaction, I got to change it up. And Mm -hmm. guys who have the foresight to see that and hear that, uh, they're the ones that separate themselves. And uh, as Randy Savage would say, the cream rises to the top. I... I just think that the work that Jericho's done in the later part of his career now, it's some of my favorite stuff he's done. 
you just made the list uh, was probably the most entertaining thing that the WWE has done in the last 10 years, in my opinion. Uh, the Festival of Friends with Kevin Owens, that whole thing with him and Kevin Owens was great. Jericho is so over now. And and all you need to do is watch that entrance where he had no theme music and the whole crowd saying Judas. Judas in itself, uh, like that's another great reinvention of Jericho, a little bit of the bubbly. Like the guy just gets it. He just knows uh, it factor, you know? You, you, can't, you can't say what it is, but he has it. He gets it. Now, my next three, all top three, I can honestly say that all three men we cannot imagine these these people or or wrestling without without their reinventions. And I'm going to start with my number three as a guy who was a solid mid carter his entire career, and I don't think anybody ever saw him more than that until his reinvention when he changed over to John Bradshaw Layfield. Love me some JBL. Yeah, this is a great candidate for not only a single reinvention, but a guy who has been reinventing himself his entire run as that character. If you look at where he started as the Hawk and then reinventing himself as a Blackjack, and then from there moving on to a Dark Acolyte, and from there a beer drinking ass kicker, and now, oh, and now I'm a, a rich racist dude. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Big time changes, but every one of them a necessary step in the evolution of that character. So I, I agree that this is a, a name that at first glance may seem inappropriate for that number three spot, but upon closer inspection, you really see that, no, 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 that's a guy who really deserves to be that high on the list. I, I got no problems with this one. No other incarnation of his, of his character, I, I, I think has world champion written on it. I don't, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, as well, much not as in the player. area that not in the era he was operating. No, I bet no. you, I, I bet you, Bill Watts would have put the belt on him back in the eighties. Oh, but yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. But as soon as you know they did the thing where I and I love the angle, by the way. Uh, again, foggy memory, but I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. Where uh, they were doing the whole thing, where where I guess Ron Simmons kept pissing off uh, Paul Heyman. And, and Heyman said, well, you're going to go and fight. Uh, I can't remember fucking who. Uh, but if you lose, you're fucking fired. And of course, they lost and they're on their way out. And Heyman says, oh, I didn't say you guys were fired. I said he was fired. Uh -huh. and, and, and basically said, we see a lot of uh, potential in you, Bradshaw. And, you know, and right there, the good guy would have walked out with, with, with Farouk and said, no, I'm with you. But no, he said, wow, they see a future in me. And he stayed. And pretty much right away, he starts building his cabinet and he's wearing those fucking cowboy hats. And he's driving that limo out and he's turning into John Layfield. He's turning into himself, the, the, the rich racist guy. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, and it's working. It worked right away. He became almost overnight. He became the biggest heel in the company. And an obvious, uh, perfect heel for guys like John Cena and Eddie Guerrero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, I love me some JBL and what a hell of a podcast him and Bri uh, Briscoe have as well. Oh, it's so funny. I love it so much. Well, I'm glad I got you guys with that. Uh, I think I'm going to keep you on the hook for my number two and three, but we're number one and two. Let's see. 
like I said, these are characters that you just can't picture wrestling without anymore. My number two, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. It's the man called Sting. Mm. This is the right spot for Sting. Uh, This or number one. Honestly, if the guy I think you're going to have at number one, I I would put them interchangeable because I think you can have one without the other, but I'm not trying to spoil anything. Uh, but yeah, my God, like, and, and such a drastic change, like not just a a reinvention, but a complete 180 Mm -hmm. of what the guy was known for this bright, colorful, energetic, you know, white meat superstar to this dark, brooding, cynical, jaded, anxious character that I think was kind of the the way a lot of us were feeling in the nineties. So uh, yeah, man, absolutely great. And then I'm also going to, I'm also going to whip in a little TNA and say, also Joker sting was awesome. Screw you haters. It was good. It was good. (laughs) And they did this awesome thing with sting where he didn't wrestle for like a year and a half. Yeah. And he didn't talk. He didn't talk either. He didn't do anything. He was just there. It was a long draw. It was this, just, it just, What's he going to do? 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 And when he finally did something, it fucking meant something. And the reason it meant something is because that character, people did love. You know, uh, in contrary to to some of the other people on my list, um, I don't think Sting had fizzled out. People still loved Sting. Oh, yeah. But Sting also knew that with the NWO coming in, his days were going to be numbered unless he got in front of it. He didn't want to give them a chance to, to let Sting fizzle out. So before that could happen, he got in front of it and said, here's what, here's what I'm going to do. And it worked so fucking well. Um, I can't picture anybody being a better big opponent or big foil for the NWO than Sting. Yeah, right before we went on hiatus with the classic match classroom, uh, I was actually doing the research and doing Sting's transition from the Crow building to his match with Hogan. So I went back and I I rewatched a lot of this run, and it is so much better than even I remember it being. And I remember it being fantastic. The little things they did is he NWO, is he WCW, uh, just the, the, the reaction he would get from pointing a bat or having a spotlight shown on him. Sting was the most popular wrestler in 1997, 1998, give or take. Uh, I think 97, that's when they were doing his run. With I, I, I see 1997. 1997, yeah. 98 was Austin, yes. Yeah. yeah, Sting was the most popular wrestler in 1997, and it was 1,000% because of this transition. Yeah, I could not uh, disagree more. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's saying something, because that was probably the most popular he had been in his entire career. And holy shit, does that say something about Sting? Because Sting was one of the most popular wrestlers in the NWA for years. So what does that mean about that 97 run? That, that's amazing. And it's all because of that reinvention, man. I I got to tell you, man, I, I don't have a clue who your number one is. I'm going to say, yeah, because I'm looking at my little list here, and unless I'm judging my criteria different than you, like there's some bang, like massive names on here that I. Well, obviously I'm going to miss a bunch. Yes, because there's a lot of names. We're going to have a hell of a discussion for for honorable mentions. Is it going to be Stevie Richard? Is that your number one, right, Censor Stevie? Stevie Richard. Oh, come on, please. I 
I'm saving it for a Stevie Richards list. I can't wait. For I, I would love, I, I cannot wait to dedicate a show to the greatness that is uh, Big Stevie Cool. But no, man, um, I'm surprised you can't figure it out. I'm pretty sure Adam has figured it out. I'm talking about a guy who, who did fizzle out, unlike Sting. He did fizzle out. People did stop caring about him until that reinvention, and he turned into the hottest thing on the fucking planet. Of course, I'm talking about Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Okay. He was definitely one of the three names that I had in my in my head here. So I'm glad that that you hit this one. Hollywood Hogan deserves to be on this one. Don't seem sold on the number one spot. Explain yourself. I think that there are two names that I would put ahead of him, to be honest. All right, we'll talk about that. In we'll the talk about later. that. But yeah, later, this is like I, I'm not arguing you at all on this because I do think Hogan is strong consideration to be uh, turning from number one. A hundred percent, I do. I, I do think it's the most not it wasn't only important for, for Hogan. It was a turning point in professional wrestling. It, it's important for wrestling. Yes. This, this character changed everything. Hulkamania in 1996, Hulkamania was dying. It, it was on its lot. It was on fucking life support and everybody knew it. And this is what had to be done. Hogan bought himself another fucking almost 10 years of a career. But he also, again, just like Matt Hardy, breathed new fresh life into professional wrestling. Professional wrestling wasn't doing great in 1996. No, it was not. Until that leg drop on on, uh, Randy Savage. Does that mean that JBL stole his gimmick then? (laughs) Being a rich races guy? I don't know. Adam, how do you feel about Hogan being number one? Absolutely, exactly where he should be, brother. Uh, and that's why I said, like, if you wanted to put him and Sting even as a tie for that spot, I ain't mad at that either because I think you you can have one without the other, but, man, you don't have the impact of one without the other. That old saying that goes, every great hero needs a great villain and vice versa, and you had that. Mm-hmm. You had two characters that simultaneously morphed and evolved and grew together until you got this climax that was uh, WCW's biggest selling pay-per-view of all time. And with good reason, you had essentially what had become the greatest hero of all time into the greatest villain. And then you had the silent protector waiting in the wings, ready to crush him. Uh, You couldn't have gotten a better story than that. And I think that, Everything that you said, Mike, is right on uh, right on point. Uh, it's not just the fact that it was a complete 180 from the character we had seen. It's the fact that it's a character we had seen our entire lives. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't want to sound overly dramatic here, but I feel like this was the equivalent of the Undertaker streak, you know, being ended. It's something we were yeah, unquestioned. No, no, we, yeah. we, we thought for Hulkamania... Look, look, Hogan told us Hulkamania will live forever. And I don't know about you guys, but I was a Hulkamaniac. So I believed everything the Hulkster told me, brother. So uh, if, if Hulk Hogan told me Hulkamania was going to be forever, I believed him. So when we found out that this is going to sound stupid, but this is true. I know exactly where I was when that happened. I didn't watch the pay-per-view, but I was visiting my father who was living in Timmins at the time. 
and he had WCW Saturday night on the TV. And they said, we're going to show you the footage of Hulk Hogan turning on WCW. And I sat there staring at that television with my jaw on the floor because I couldn't believe yeah. what was happening. It was unfathomable. It just was, it was like I was living on another planet. Couldn't believe it. That is why Hulk Hogan has to be at number one. Yeah, I don't think I can argue Hogan being your number one. I don't, uh, especially at the moment, the, 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 the boom of the business that it created alone should put him at the number one spot. I'm okay with this. Now, of course, I have some honorable mentions, but I'll let you guys play first. Uh, obviously, you think I, uh, uh, Tyler, you seem to think that maybe one or two of your honorable mentions should actually be on the list. So yeah. why don't you pull those out? I think the big one for me is Shawn Michaels. Okay. He went you mean, from you being mean a, from dickhead to Christian? No. <laughs> from being a rocker to the heartbreak kid. That's a big change. Like, yeah. I, you know what? He went on. I didn't even consider that, to be perfectly honest. But you're not wrong. You're not uh, wrong. In the same breath there, you could also say Steve Austin going from the ringmaster to Stone Cold. I gave but thought to that, but I don't. I'll eh. fight you on that one, Tyler. I mean, yeah. the guy went from being a million-dollar champion to Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's it's a big I, jump. I'll say I'll say that I don't think it's popularity was but... a big jump, but I think the core essence of that character was the same thing. And I'll even go as far back as stunning Steve Austin, the Hollywood blonde Steve Austin. That's Steve Austin all the way through. Like the core of that character is the same throughout the entire yeah. run of his career. Like I'm not going to uh, die in a hill on this one for sure. No, not... I, I see. Like I would not put Steve Austin on this list at all. I, I wouldn't put him on the every list. iteration was just an evolution of him, just cranked up a little bit higher. There, there are two though. I have two that I think you could have put on the list. Um, Triple H being one of them, going from Hunter Hearst Helmsley to the game. That one I won't fight you on. That yeah, one I think could be, could be, and again, that's that's not that's not me saying he needs to be on the list, but I definitely think you could have put him in anywhere on that list, and he's a good spot. One yeah. that I one that I think maybe you should have put on the list, uh, and I might even put this one over Steiner. Who was your number six again? Remind me. My number six was uh, Matt Hardy. Matt, no, he was your five. Taker. Taker. Yeah. I'm looking at the New Age Outlaws. Okay, see, we just, I, I thought about that, but to me, I don't see that as much as a, a, a reinvention as I do a bunch of different gimmicks. It's no different, like, that's why. They didn't example, change their name. Eh? It, was a, it was not a different gimmick. It was the country singer Jesse James turning to the road dog Jesse James. And yeah, it was rockabilly gun. Like they never pretended to be anybody different the whole time. Yeah. They never changed your yeah. gimmick and they got super over. I, I think I would have put the new I age. You know what? I should have given it more consideration. If had I did, they probably would have broke. They probably would have kicked Steiner off that list. I'm, I I'm not, not going to argue with you here. I'll, I'll, my, my two senses that it's a good one, but I don't think that they're, reinventions were bigger than the seven mentioned that will be my two cents on it yeah I, I i would fight for them to get on the list i i don't know the taker one it's hard to, it's hard to kick any of them off you, you did a good job on your list man my my one my i have a couple honorable mentions myself before we throw it at him my my one guy that 
really almost made the list and just didn't was Kane. Yeah. Uh, just because I really liked the way he, you know, he went from, you know, burn victim that doesn't speak to burn victim that speaks with a to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 that's to, the medical term, right, Mike? Yes. Yeah. The funny, uh, the kind of the funny guy who, who, who wore tank tops and talked a lot and, you know, uh, did, did, did promos with, with, with the rock to taking that fucking mask off, uh, completely changing his character. When when Kane took off that 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 mask, he didn't just. It wasn't just Kane without a mask. His his character was one hundred percent again reinvented, and it really breathed new life into the character. So I, he almost made the list. I really Un, wanted him to. Unpopular opinion. I really like corporate Kane, like the the Triple H Kane there. there you go. That, that, that works. I I, 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 I enjoyed that's, his character. Um, another one for me was, of course, uh, uh, Ray Wyatt uh, and The Fiend. Yeah. Um, that was the one that was fighting with Steiner very hard. Uh, Steiner won out in the end, obviously. I think you made the right choice. And then uh, my last one never was a contender for the list. It's just I love it so much. And it's Kurt Henning trying so hard to find his way in WCW and can't because he can't be Mr. Perfect until he finds the West Texas Rednecks. I mean, I, I think it is the best reinvention of creating ever. <laughs> I think you had to, would probably put this, I don't know. I, I'd say you have to put an asterisk next to the list then and say that, you know, these were successful reinventions. Then again, uh-huh. Some might argue the West Texas Rednecks was the most over he ever was in WCW. Well, number one, oh, God. I love that song. Remember this, remember this, because of where they were based from, right? They were supposed to be the fucking heels. But because they're in Atlanta, Georgia, the home of racism, they just <laughs> pretty I think I read that somewhere. Uh they, they 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 couldn't be heels. The fucking filthy animals or or whatever what was no limit was, soldiers? Yeah, no, no no limit soldiers got booed at a building. Well, they were supposed to such be a huge favorite. country music market over there. Was, you exactly. know, no one no one was listening to Master P. Who do you? This is what I'm talking about. You know, I I fell I fell asleep uh, watching the, the country music channel once. I woke up there was holes in my sheets. <laughs> Fucked up. Anyways, yeah, that'll go over your head. That's fine, Tyler. I get it. <laughs> I just I still can't get over fuck Atlanta I guess I don't know I don't know all right, but, All right. Uh, that, that's it for my animal mentions what do you got uh, Adam I'm kind of shocked that neither of you guys have talked about Rocky Maivia he was my he was my next wrong. one he I, I had him on my honorable mentions as well if there's one I, guy I, that I, I could I, make an argument I, that should might have been on your list god it's got to be him and then yeah, from, you're not, from the you're rock wrong, to Hollywood did, rock as well. And I obviously didn't, uh, I forgot to write him down in my honorable mentions. He was uh, thought about when making the list. Um, the other seven just trumped him, uh, I, I guess. Um, yeah, I, and, and, I, and I can't justify why. Uh, because it was a hell of a transition. And, and, and I'm going to call the transition the one from White Meat Babyface nation domination yes that's that's the big one for me that's the most important one because that's the domino that that sets off the rest into motion Mm -hmm. hollywood rock was a great evolution of the character 
but the reinvention definitely was came when he went from Rocky Maivia to The Rock for sure. Um, I know uh, you guys aren't as you know you guys don't talk about um, overseas stuff as much, but I do want to bring up the transformation of Shinsuke Nakamura from a straight laced kind of banal MMA fighter to the eccentric, artistic, um, and very um, creative kind of character that we ended up getting in New Japan that made him one of the most popular stars there. It was a real reinvention because a lot of people, uh, for a lot of folks, myself included, my introduction to Shinsuke Nakamura was in those later Wrestle Kingdom years where he was fighting AJ Styles mm-hmm. and fighting Naito and fighting guys when he was already doing his art artist kind of character. And then, of course, the majority of wrestling fans know him today from his run in WWE. They didn't really have a chance to see him as a guy who was, you know, in IWGP World Title matches with Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar as an MMA guy. Like he was a, he was a fighter character. And then to go from that, such a huge departure, but it ended up being probably the best thing he ever could have done because even though he was skilled in the ring, it wasn't until he let his charisma shine with that new version of himself that really got him over. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, And of course, being an impact guy, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how they took a lump of chicken shit, which was Derek Bateman and turn him into one of the greatest chicken salads, huh? Ever made, and that's EC3. Yeah. What an yeah. incredible reinvention for that guy! And even to this day, I mean, I would not say it's another guy that has taken himself and changed himself drastically now to where he's the essential character. Um, this one's a little bit more personal, just because again, I'm an impact bandwagon guy. Uh, but my god, you want to talk about a guy who just took himself and changed himself completely and made himself into something better and showed what he could be. I think he, you know, he deserves to be on the list as well. Um, I want to talk about a lady that I think has done a lot of great reinventing over career. And that's Alexa bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take a look at everything she did from NXT, starting as the Disney princess kind of character to her, you know, boss character with um, her Blake and Murphy, all the mm-hmm. way up to her kind of mean girls queen on the main roster. And then, of course, most recently with The Fiend, this is a woman that has taken on every reinvention of her character and slayed it every single time, even when the writing didn't work for her. She made it work. Fair. So I, I think a lot of props needs to go to, to Alexa Bliss as an honorable mention. Um, I think that um, in terms of tag teams, I think the Dudley Boys should probably get a shout out. They went from yeah. they went yeah. from a comedy Hanson Brothers ripoff to these kind of foul-mouthed, obscene, violent rednecks who were inciting riots and basically creating the kind of buzz and heat and attention for ECW that nobody else was. In fact, there's a lot of people that still feel like the death uh, nail in the coffin for ECW was not losing Taz, but it was losing the Dudley Boys. And, you know, it's kind of hard to, to argue that point. Yeah. Um, I'd also kind of like to say something similar to the Usos, who went from kind of tribal warriors yeah. oh, to exactly. the Uso penitentiary to these the bloodline uh, characters they are now. Those guys have also kept themselves relevant by changing things up year after year. I guess you could say the same thing about New Day when they, uh, you know, going from that kind of almost 
church-esque gimmick to uh to what they've become yeah yeah I think they definitely could be a thought in that. Uh, I also thought that Seth Rollins is another guy you could look at as a guy who has reinvented himself a number of times in order to stay relevant. If you look at where he started as even if you go back to NXT with the kind of like punk rock anarchist kind of character to the shield, to the corporate chosen champion, to the Messiah of Monday nights, the guy he's very, I feel like he's a very Jericho-esque kind of guy in Mm -hmm. that he sees where things are going for himself. Like he listens and he hears how the crowd's reacting to him. And if he feels like it's not where he wants it to be, he will change something up so that people notice him and pay attention to him. And I think he, he does it very subtly. He's a guy that you don't often talk about in those conversations, but I think when all is said and done and we look back on his career, he is a guy we will be talking about. Um, Uh, And sorry, go uh, ahead. I think I just re- I just think I, I realized that I think I missed a big name in Edge. Yeah, I just was gonna say the exact same thing. Edge and Christian as well, but Edge mainly. Yeah, Edge, Edge, Edge especially. I'm I'm wondering if I missed something big there, maybe even on the list more yeah. than um, I, I I'm kind of kicking my own ass on that one. You certainly had a lot to choose from in here, and there's certainly no easy way to kind of narrow it down. So I think well, that you you're definitely not uh you're definitely you shouldn't be too hard on yourself because you had a lot to absolute choose from and then feel shame mike you feel shame two (laughs) and then two fun ones that i know didn't have the same impact as a lot of these other ones did but i just like to when i look back and i thought about wow they really did reinvent themselves a lot i want to talk about crush because the dude (laughs) went from a hawaiian surfer no actually that's not true he was a demolition uh an snm so snm freak to um surf in hawaiian to uh foreign foreign fanatic to criminal biker gang leader (laughs) so to chronic chronic. (laughs) well to be be fair that was brian adams not crush (laughs) so but still an impressive line and one other that i'd like to talk about is your friend and mine uh jeff jarrett uh because That's a good one too. You know, went from if we even go far back to Memphis, you know, white meat babyface as as babyface can be, country music singer, Aztec warrior with all that crap he was wearing in the 1997s, <laughs> uh, the uh, the traditionalist uh, to the slap nuts Jarrett, and of course, as we saw most recently, um, now he seems to be reinventing himself again. The man in black just announced actually during this podcast, I got an alert. He will be in Chicago January 15th for GCW. So he, he's going to be there. Jeff Jarrett comes back to GCW and he's wearing his black trench coat and his black Uh, cowboy hat. He's reinventing himself again. Guarantee he's going to be fighting Effie at the Hammerstein show. And that's, that's big news. Maybe taking a, uh, a page out of his friend Zach Ryder, uh, Matt Cardona's book, who you know could also stand to be an honorable mention for the way that the guy was able to reinvent himself uh, time and time again to kind of stay relevant as well. I, I think that I, what we can all take away from the conversation we've had today is that these guys, you know, they really know the importance of keeping things fresh. Mm-hmm. Now, before before we take it home, I, I have two names that had big question marks on them. And I want to know your opinions on if either of these names should be talked about in the same conversation. One is not McFoley, but Mankind, the character. 
going from that very deranged character with the brown suit and the two theme songs to the the, the ratty tatty uh, work shirt and being a little bit more funny and doing the, the cheap plugs. Do, 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 is there merit there? Not for the list. Great honorable mention, though. Okay. I would agree with that statement. And I think he's a, he's a real gray area as well, because right. technically, you could say Cactus Jack, Dude Love, and Mick Foley are all part of the same character because it's openly talked about on television they all exist within the same mind they're yeah. all split personalities of mm. one character um so i mean technically i mean you could if you I'll look at it from that you, way put them on the list if you slip them on there if you slip them on there i wouldn't fight you love, we could be talking about dude love too doing the uh the corporate shit hey man um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not against it um my second name is john cena Going, going from ruthless aggression to rapper to uh, the the marine gimmick. I had uh, thought about this as well, and again, I think he falls in the same Foley category. If you put him on the list, I wouldn't fight you on it. Right, like the guy did reinvent himself, especially if you're talking about ruthless aggression Cena to the rapper Cena. That yeah. that's a huge reinvention. That's the thing that kicks it all off. That, exactly. That's what puts him as the face of the company too. That's what I look at. That was some of my criteria for for looking at. And that's why I didn't fight your Hogan one as number one because it changed right. the business. Cena yeah. changed the business as well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's something to think about. I, I had a fun one that I just had to talk about. One man gang to Akeem. I just love. <laughs> I just had to put it out there. And uh, maybe maybe one that Adam you kind of inspired me on uh, talking about going overseas. The Great Muda. Oh yeah. yeah. But Muda has been a, a guy who's been able to reinvent himself a lot of times. A lot of guys over in Japan know how to do yeah. that. Liger's another guy like that mm-hmm. too. Gave himself different gimmicks and characters and whatnot that made it work. So I mean, we we could sit here and do this all night. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a million. Yeah. This is a tough list you took on. I think you did a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we just put together maybe three more lists in our honorable mentions. You know, right. so right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I got right. uh, I got nothing else more tonight. What are you guys? You guys are are, man. We're ready to wrap it up, but uh, this is an open invitation for uh, for Adam to come back in a few weeks when we start talking about the Royal Rumble. We're gonna have two weeks in a row where we talk about the Royal Rumble. Hey, man, I love the Rumble. Uh, I'll talk about anything you want. We'll bring Adam back on, and uh, and we'll get the Maven story out of you. Hey, you know, maybe you can do a most shocking Royal Rumble moments list because uh i mean i think maven (laughs) would have to be on that list and it would give me a good reason to tell the story all right all right well on behalf of uh the of the new year new us uh thank you for joining us for the uh very first episode of 2022 there's a big uh, uh starts off a big string of events here um this month we start a new year next month is our hundredth show the month after that is our two-year anniversary so it's uh we're, we're, we got a lot going on in the next few months yes um, unfortunately uh here in ontario we have uh, gone and uh gone back to stage two of the pandemic cycle so all independent shows have been canceled. So we will not be doing Barry Wrestling this month. No, but I'm uh, working on something for Barry Wrestling right now. So stick around to our YouTube page. The, the, the no, Barry we're, we're, Wrestling we're, Event Center is coming back, baby. 
And we're gonna work on we're gonna work on uh, getting a lot of the Barry boys on the show in the next few weeks. Give, give them something to do, something to talk about. So uh, keep uh, keep your eyes on that. As long as you guys have got nothing else, we're ready to take it home. On behalf of the new year, and thank you, Adam, for joining us today. We have been counted out. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, Wrestling World, check out my friends at CanadaOut7.com. Wrestling podcast, news, and a lot of awesome content. Even got all the All Ontario Cup event setters. Also, follow them on Twitter at CanadaOut7. Also on Instagram at CanadaOut7. CanadaOut7.com with Mike and Tyler. 